Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Woman Magazine. Woman is full of inspiring stories from Kiwi women you know and love. In their latest issue, TVNZ presenter Hayley Holt bravely shares her story of baby loss. Almost a year ago, as New Zealand went into lockdown, Hayley suffered the tragic loss of her unborn son. In the article, she shares her story of light, of grief, and the love that got her through the unthinkable heartbreak. You can read Hayley's story in the latest issue of Woman magazine that is on newsstands nationwide in New Zealand. Huge thank you to the team at Woman for giving Hayley the space to share her touching story and for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. As always, I would love for you to show Woman Magazine your support. It means heaps to me that they're able to sponsor this week's episode of the podcast and obviously helps me to keep bringing you these episodes, so I am super appreciative. In this week's episode, I speak with Caitlin, and Caitlin takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories. Caitlin first fell pregnant when she was 18 at university. She takes us through what that experience was like and then into the rest of her pregnancy story where she was still studying and through her birth, which was high touch um, to say the least. So she had um, small or low growth scans uh, throughout her pregnancy and was induced as a result. But throughout her labor and birth experience, she had a lot of internal examinations and that didn't really sit with her that well after she had her second baby because her second birth was really different. So she takes us through those two experiences and how different they were. Caitlin was also an egg donor. So in between her two pregnancies, she has donated her eggs and the beautiful family that received her eggs has had a little girl as a result. So it's really interesting hearing that side of Caitlin's story as well. I will let Caitlin tell you the rest um, and I will stop talking. So let's jump into the episode. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm quite excited. <laughs> me too. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Caitlin and I am married to Tremaine and we have a four-year-old boy and a one-year-old daughter and we live in Taupua. Awesome. Very cool. And do you want to take us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you the first time around? Yeah. So I was 18. I had just left home and gone to university. Um, I met my son's father at uh, one of our classes. Um, and then three months later, I was about to go out to a 
night out in town as you do when you're 18 and at university and I just had this really (laughs) odd feeling um that I needed to go get a test um which was super weird because I was on the pill uh but I had just recently switched so I don't know if that was um what caused the pregnancy but it was about eight o'clock at night and I got a positive test and in the hall in the hall's bathroom um, at university um (laughs) and then drank a whole heap of water and went to get another test and it was negative so didn't sleep at all that night um but then in the morning got uh another positive and it was just a massive surprise as an 18 year old um yeah 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 Gosh, I can, I honestly can't even imagine that feeling. Like I remember doing my pregnancy test with Jai and like, I knew I was probably pregnant and I still was shocked. So I just can't imagine it as an 18 year old. How did you sort of process those feelings initially? Um, I was in a lot of denial. Um, and I just, I, I remember I didn't cry. I didn't cry for weeks and weeks. I just, uh, was very matter of fact about it and was like mm-hmm. okay I need to go see a doctor I need to go see what the next steps are and I need to um just go through the motions it was definitely not emotional um mm. it was like a I need to do this 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 and this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense and did you have any sort of early symptoms in that pregnancy I can't remember too many terrible symptoms I was working at the base in Hamilton and I remember the days that I worked uh, I don't know if it had something to do with the air conditioning or whatever I felt really nauseous those days um, but days that I wasn't working I was totally fine so yeah. uh, but I was only working part-time so it wasn't really a problem um, it was just when I was leading up to because I was still at university so I was really early um pregnant when I was doing all my exams so I remember feeling really nauseous during my exams but I don't mm. know whether that was just being nervous about having full, mm-hmm. like full-on exams or um because I was pregnant yeah yeah fair enough and what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like did you have a midwife and um did you choose to do all of the sort of standard testing and find out the sex of your baby yeah I chose an amazing midwife um she was awesome. I did all the normal testing and we did find out what we were having. Um, but on the day and we flipped a coin, Hence, <laughs> we weren't going to find out tails we were and it landed on tails. So we did find out. Um, and everything was pretty standard until I got to about 28 weeks and uh, my fundal measurement was quite low, um, <laughs> quite a few weeks behind. So that kind of took us down a slippery slope of getting lots of uh, scans to check the size of the baby. And uh, then I ended up getting referred to the hospital system as um, his growth really stunted. Um, so then I still had my midwife, but I, I think what happened in that DHB was that as soon as I was referred to the hospital, I then was told to give birth at the hospital and all of that right Um, yeah so I was in the hospital weekly for monitoring fortnightly for scans and it was just really really intense (laughs) yeah yeah and how were you feeling about that like did it make you nervous or were you sort of just trying to go with the flow I think because I was so young I just 
I just did what I was told. Mm. Um, they said this is what needed to happen. So I just, I didn't think about it too much. I just, yeah, did what I was told. Um, yeah. I was still working. And at that point I had started working full time um, because I had to support myself and a new baby. Um, so it was pretty intense working full time and having to mm. go to the hospital for a couple of hours each week. Um, yeah, I yeah, we just kind of, I just kind of went with the flow of it all. Yeah, yeah. And did you do any antenatal classes or birth classes or anything like that? Any other sort of research or education um, in the lead up to your birth? We went to a Plunkett uh, antenatal class, um, which was fine. It had all the yeah. basics, I guess. Um, yeah, we just we just did that, and that was sweet. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And did you have like a birth plan or anything, any sort of thoughts on how you might want your birth to go? I really wanted a water birth uh, before I found out about his growth issues. So as soon as his growth um, started being monitored, they said when I was in labour, I'd need to be strapped up to the monitors. So the water birth kind yeah. of uh, faded away. Um, I just, I just wanted to do it as naturally as possible I guess that was the ideal um I didn't think too much about it though I was just so young I just had no idea Mm. (laughs) I just thought I was going to have a baby at the end of it um I didn't think too much about the process to get that baby yeah 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 and do you want to take us through um your labor starting so was it spontaneous um how far along were you and yeah then into your labor and birth story yeah, sure. Um, so I think at about 39 weeks, I had another hospital appointment. And I think it really depends on who you get on the day as to the decisions that are made. Um, because the week before, the doctor had looked at everything and said, sweet, you're fine. We'll just, like, baby's happy, we'll keep baby in. But then the following week, not much had changed in terms of the scans but uh the doctor said this baby's better off out than in um (laughs) so we'll induce you in four days I think they booked me in um yeah so I tried like the pineapple and raspberry leaf tea to try and then the (laughs) curb walking to try and go into labor naturally um but that didn't happen so I went in and they had booked me in to get a balloon catheter um (laughs) And she had set it all up and got me all ready and then went to put it in and realised I was already, I think, three centimetres or something. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so they set me up to the ward and said, we'll bring you down to delivery to induce you when we've got space. Um, so I stayed the night at the hospital and then at 8 o'clock in the morning they took me down and broke my waters Um I don't remember much of that, honestly. And I called my mum and she drove up at that point because um, she was still in Topor, so a couple of hours away. Um, and then they just started me on the drip a couple of hours later at about 10. Um, and then things just got really intense from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think it totally depends on who you get. So obviously at the hospital, they change shifts quite often. Yeah. Um, and one lady came in and took over and just bumped my haunt, like the syntocin or whatever they use, um, right up. She was like, let's just get this going. And I was already having really regular, strong contractions at that point. And then they were coming every 
like they were lasting a minute and a half and only giving me a 30 second break so at that point I just lost it (laughs) um I lost control completely and I think the charge midwife my mum went and was like this isn't okay you shouldn't like she was fine before Mm -hmm. um so I think the midwife in charge came and turned it back down um and I remember telling them I was like I need to push I feel a lot of pressure uh and they checked me again there was a lot of checking um and a lot of monitoring um because I was at the hospital and she was like no no you're eight centimeters you just need to chill out lie down um because I labored on my back completely the whole time uh and then I really needed to go to the toilet um (laughs) and I had a little bit of gas before that but when I went to the toilet they wouldn't let me take the gas um I don't think it reached that far so I sat on the toilet um for a couple of contractions and those were the worst because I didn't have my gas and I was trying to manage going to the toilet while having these contractions Mm. um and then I came out of the toilet and said I need to push like this is you can't tell me to stop um and she checked me again and was 10 centimeters and I think it was only like four pushes later and he was born so they broke my waters at eight and he was born at 5 20 p.m so yeah, wow. It was pretty good. It was it was a pretty um yeah, it was a pretty positive induction experience, I would yeah. say. Um yeah. really, really painful. <laughs> but I don't think I had much time <laughs> to think too much about having more pain relief because it just happened so quickly. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, so then he was he was here and he was totally fine. He was a whole pound bigger than they estimated he was going to be. Um, oh wow! And there were there were like twelve people in the room because they had the peds team and they had student nurses, doctors, midwives. They just there was just so many people there. And then he was mm. born, and everyone was just kind of like, ah, oh, and just all left. <laughs> it's like we don't actually need to be here, um, right? Yeah, I just remember this all this busyness, and then suddenly it was there was no one. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he was he was totally fine. All the monitoring was yeah. probably slightly unnecessary. Yeah, it sounds like it. But I guess yeah. it's one of those things, right? Like they they often say that um, growth scans can be either super accurate or really inaccurate. So it sounds like yours were mm. like slightly off um, and made quite a difference to your pregnancy and birth. But it's nice to hear yeah. that you still had like a pretty positive induction and birth story. Yeah, yeah, it was it was all pretty sweet. Um, I don't I don't look back at it and think it was too horrible. I think uh, when I then had my daughter, I look back at some of the things and that happened, and I was like, oh, that didn't quite sit right with me, or mm. I just didn't know back then that um, yeah, all the monitoring and all the checking and all the like the permission to push um, yeah. was so unnecessary. Um, yeah. But I wonder if my age had something to do with that, you know, like maybe they just saw me as young and I needed a lot more guidance. I don't know. It's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, it is hard yeah. to know. And I think like we probably have um, a different feeling as mums as well after doing it the first time. I don't know. But you could be right. Mm. Maybe, it, maybe it was an age thing too. Um, cool. And so did they pop him up onto your chest once he was born or what sort of happened after that? 
yeah, he came straight up to me um, and then they had to get a doctor in to do my stitches and I remember that being so much worse than any part of the labour. Um, I think I squeezed, like, the baby's hand probably harder <laughs> than I should have. Like, I looked back now and I was like, oh, maybe I probably shouldn't have been squeezing his hand. Um, that was that was probably the worst part. I I didn't yeah, have yeah. any tearing. They just called it grazing, um, and the gas wasn't helping at all. Uh, so I had him with me during that, um, and I'd say that would have been um, maybe an hour, and then they went and did all his checks, and he had some time with his dad and my mum, and I went and had a shower. Um, and we were at the birth we were at the birth care place by eight o'clock. So it was only three hours ish from when he was born to when we left and went to River Ridge. Um Yeah, right. Yeah, so they were happy to to send me off. Yeah. Um, I think it was all pretty stock standard, really. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And how long did you spend um in the birth centre? Uh so we got there at eight PM and then we would have stayed that night and two other nights. Yeah. Um, the first night we had to stay in one of the birth rooms because they were all fully booked. <laughs> um, but River Ridge is so beautiful. When we moved into the postnatal ward, there was like a double bed and TV, and I just didn't even want to leave. <laughs> it was yeah. so beautiful, and the midwives were awesome. Um, yeah, so we were we were there for three three nights. Yeah, awesome, yeah. cool. And how did you find those first? few days like did you notice a hormone shift um, when your milk came in or how were you yeah how were you sort of feeling adjusting while you were in the birth center uh we had lots and lots of visitors I just remember yeah. there being people all the time um we just a lot of our friends and our family uh I don't think we had much downtime at all um I don't remember when my milk came in uh but we were still on that high, I think, and that adrenaline um, and just had people constantly and we're just enjoying our baby. It was when mm-hmm. we went home that things kind of got a bit uh, less high. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you want to talk us through that, like, I guess, the the shift and adjustment from, um, you know, all of those sort of busy days in the hospital and then in the birth centre and then all of a sudden you're at home um, mm. with your newborn baby I mean it's an experience for anyone right but um, I guess being young and having that added complexity how did you find it and how did you go with that initial adjustment to being a mum I think um, like I think I had a big hormone drop um, yeah. the day that we went home and then my mum also left so all my family is in total mm. so my mum went back home on day three and it was just me and this tiny baby in our tiny house um I just remember crying like I had no yeah. family um and yeah it was really hard and I think like his his dad was there uh but he just didn't know how to manage me crying and mm. um just took the baby away from me and was like don't you why are you why are you acting like this you need to keep it together for the baby blah blah and it was Mm. it was just really intense um and I think just lots of feelings of being alone uh yeah my family not being there um 
Yeah, but then we kind of got into the groove of things. It was just me and him for a lot of the time. Um, and we were in this tiny, tiny little house. And we just sat on the couch and I had a schedule <laughs> of boring daytime TV that I would switch between the channels depending on what I would watch at each time of the day. Um, and we just sat on the couch and cuddled. Uh, yeah. I think he was he was born in May, so we we didn't really – I didn't feel the need to go out because it was cold anyway. So we just, yeah, we just hung out together. And it was just mm-hmm. me and him for a lot of the time. Um, yeah. 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 And, and yeah. We, we got into the group of things. Yeah, that's good. And how did your um, physical recovery go from birth? Like how did you find the stitches healed and how were you feeling sort of overall? Yeah, pretty good. I don't remember the stitches causing me any problems except for that first wee post birth that was <laughs> yeah that was that was not nice I don't know why people don't tell you this kind of stuff when yeah. you're going to have a baby um but I don't remember there being any major physical um problems recovering I just had a I just had quite an oversupply with my milk mm-hmm. so I would often be quite sore and engorged and um waking up drenched um in the middle of the night and having to wear change my breast pads every half an hour and Mm. that was that was probably the thing I struggled with the most even though it's such a blessing to have so much milk um it can also be really hard to manage yes feel constantly sticky and smelly and (laughs) (laughs) washing sheets all the time yeah 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 and I guess how did you find the adjustment as an 18 year old from being at uni and you know relatively sort of carefree I guess and in those early stages of um, being post-school and then all of a sudden you're a mum how did you find that adjustment because I know that there's quite a few younger mums that follow the podcast that are always really keen to hear about that experience from other mums who've been through it. Yeah I I think and it, I still struggle a little bit four years on um, yeah. when you see your friends that you were at school with, uh, well, obviously before COVID, they were traveling and going out all the time and just enjoying themselves and were able to go to festivals. Like I've never been to a festival um, yeah. and I've, and I've only uh, been to town maybe like less than 15 times. Um, it's it is still a bit hard. Uh, mm. Like I get over it, but you still have yeah, yeah. like, oh, that's what they're doing and this is what I'm doing. Um, mm. I think at the beginning, because newborn babies are so beautiful and delicious, um, like I had quite a few of my friends come and visit and they like to hang out. Uh, but as baby got older, like they get a little bit more boring and not as cute so then you don't see your friends <laughs> yeah. as much um yeah and then it's also really hard to find young mum friends uh so there was lots of yeah just feeling really alone and not having yeah. a very strong friend group for a long long time um yeah it's a tricky one because you wouldn't change yeah. a thing you know you wouldn't yeah you don't course, wish yeah. for that life um but it is kind of a glimpse into how the other half lives and what life could have been like um yeah. maybe it's, it's a tricky one uh, yeah yeah lots of different feelings <laughs> yeah and have you managed to find many friends that are mums that are sort of around your age or um I guess how have you found that sort of support network yeah it's 
probably still a work in progress. Um, yeah. Like the friends that we've met now, they have now had babies. Um, so I'm kind of like their person they talk to when they <laughs> have questions about being pregnant or their tiny baby. Um, but my son has some really cool friends now at his kindy that um, their mums are younger mums. So that that's been quite cool and I've been getting to know them. It's It's been tricky and going to mums groups and stuff, the older mums, I don't know whether I just didn't gel with them or they didn't um, give me the time because I was so much younger, mm. but it, it has been a bit of a struggle. I haven't had lots yeah. of mummy friends um, up until yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. And um, I know you said in your email that you did an egg donation. So, do you want to talk us through, um, I guess, the lead up to that decision and how that sort of all happened? Yeah. Um, I had seen, I had heard about it before and then I saw Louisa on Instagram share her journey um, and it had been something I had thought about uh, and by then I had married my now husband um, and he wants lots of children um (laughs) but I wasn't we weren't ready to have another one quite yet and I was just like I really want to do this egg donation um and he was like no way that's not gonna happen (laughs) you're gonna have my babies first (laughs) um but I was adamant and I I just feel so deeply for families and couples that struggle to have their own children like I didn't even want kids or I didn't even imagine myself with kids when I fell pregnant with my son and now I can't imagine my life without him he's the Mm. my kids are the best things um in my life and I just it breaks my heart to think about families that want nothing more than children but can't have Mm. them um so I just thought if I can help one family um get their dream then like it would all be worth it. So it was October 2018. I went through the process of doing all the injections and um, I think they harvested, I think it was like 12 eggs and froze them. Um, And then in the following June, I got paired with a recipient couple and signed them away. So they became their property. Um, and then just after lockdown last year, I received a card in the mail and they had a little girl. Um, oh, amazing. I know. It's so cool. It's so, so cool. Um, yeah, so that's that happened. And then after that, that's when we decided to try for our own baby. Yeah, awesome. And do you want to take us through, um, I guess, trying to conceive with your own baby then? Did it take you long and... Um, was there anything in particular, like, were you tracking your cycles or anything like that leading up to your pregnancy? Mm, um, I think because I had just dosed my body up on so many hormones with the egg donation, mm. um, I didn't go back on any type of contraception or anything. So we were like, yeah, yeah. let's let's see how we go. Um, but I didn't get a period back after my egg donation for about two months. Um, and then after that, it was all really, really irregular, um, like 40 days and then 36 days. And I think my body was still just trying to process what had happened, um, with the donation. And 
So I think it was about six months um, after the donation we had been trying and yeah, we found out we were pregnant. I had been tracking my cycles, but as I said, it, they were all over the place. It was so hard mm. to know. Um, and we fell pregnant the month we chose not to try. <laughs> yeah. We were like, oh, let's just give it a break. Um, I was at uni when I thought I had to go away for uni on the time that I thought I would be ovulating. So I was like, it's not going to happen this month anyway. So let's just let's just not worry <laughs> about it. And then, yeah, found out. We were having our baby. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And how were you feeling this time around? Did you have many symptoms in your first trimester? It was horrid. It was so oh, horrid. No. <laughs> I, I was working a full-time admin job and then teaching dance part-time and studying my teaching degree full-time and um, was vomiting multiple times a day. And I don't even know how we survived those 12 weeks it was just yeah it was so different um and that's when I thought like I must be having a girl because they say that you're more sick um when you're having a girl and yeah I was just so tired and so sick and we ate so much McDonald's (laughs) it was yeah it was a really rough it was a really rough time and so different from when I was pregnant with my son yeah, I can um, relate to the the McDonald's. <laughs> Honestly, my pregnancy was dry. Like, I just remember Macca's being like the only thing that I wanted to eat. Yeah, yeah, mainly because I didn't want to cook, but also because that was the only thing I wanted to eat as well. So it was just, yeah, it was easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. And did you decide to go with a midwife for um, this pregnancy? Yeah, um, I had a little bit of trouble with midwives um, with this pregnancy. The person I really wanted um, based on my like period dates was, she said she was way um, when I was due. So she was like, I can't take you on because I'm going to be in Thailand. I was like, okay. So I found someone else and then uh, she got injured Um quite badly and wasn't able to continue working it was her shoulder and obviously you kind of need that part of your body to deliver babies um Mm. so then I kind of got mucked around a little bit by the it was like they were part of a group of quite a few midwives and I was just passed from person to person to person um and had no like I didn't know what was going on and who my midwife was going to be there was no communication um So I think I was 16 weeks and I had seen my fifth midwife um, and none of them had kind of known what was happening. And obviously with Mm. my son being smaller, um, I needed to go on aspirin and do all this kind of stuff. Um, And I just felt really, really uh, uncomfortable (laughs) that I had seen so many different people. Uh, So I called the original midwife that I wanted and I called her and I just cried. I was like, I need you to take me on. (laughs) Um, So she did, uh, saying, I'm in Thailand until you're 39 weeks. So as long as you're aware of that, um, then we can go ahead. Because in total, Mm -hmm. there aren't that many options. Um, So I was really grateful that she, yeah, that she was happy to take me on. And she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, cool. And how was the rest of your pregnancy this time? Did the sickness sort of subside after twelve weeks? And did you decide to find out the sex of this baby? 
yeah, uh, it kind of got better at 12 weeks. We were, I was still just so busy with um, finishing my degree. Uh, my last assignment for my teaching degree was due a week and a half before my due date. Um, so it was a really full-on year trying to get my degree completed. Um, I actually remember and, seeing that on Instagram and just thinking, oh, oh my man. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a full breakdown. I remember just, I almost quit my degree. I messaged the lady and I was like, I'm done. I, I want to just be in preparing yeah. for baby mode. I don't want to be writing an essay mm-hmm. on student behavior. And she was like, just don't be stupid. You've got two left. <laughs> just smash it out. Um, it was yeah. really hard. Uh, yeah. But physically, it was all right. I just had, um, they think I had an irritable uterus. Um, so at about 29 weeks, every night, I um, would have regular tightenings. And they, they weren't painful, but they were very regular for a couple of hours, yeah. um, which was so strange. But I was also mm. still teaching dance, and I um, was still dancing myself and did two ballet exams at 30 weeks pregnant and I think my body was probably just like you need to chill out <laughs> yeah 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 fair enough and did you do any different sort of birth education or different antenatal classes or any courses or anything like that before this birth yeah we did a parent center antenatal I didn't really feel the need to but my husband was quite keen because obviously this was his first biological child and his first birth that he was going to be a part of as he didn't we didn't get um together until my son was around one um so yeah we went in um it was really good it was quite uh like even-sided um it wasn't all like you want to do this and not this um yeah. it was really yeah they they were informed us quite well um, and my husband really enjoyed it. He was so fascinated with the whole process, <laughs> um, which was quite cool. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And did you have much of a plan of how you wanted this birth to go? Yeah, I just wanted all natural water birth, stay at home for as long as I can, and then go to the birth centre because that's the only option in Taupo. Um, otherwise, you have to go to Rotorua to the hospital. Um, okay. Go to the birth centre have a baby and be done um (laughs) and I was adamant I think based on my birth with my son I was adamant to get my water birth and I just didn't even entertain the idea of going to Rotorua or having any drugs or needing a c-section like I was just like this is what I'm having yeah there's no other option which in hindsight was probably not the best mindset to be in um (laughs) but that's okay that's that's just where I was at at the time yeah 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 Cool. And did you do anything like in preparation for birth, um, like antenatal expressing or perennial massage or anything like that? Yeah, I did almost everything. I was bouncing on the ball. I was inserting evening primrose oil and taking it orally. <laughs> pineapple, like I still can't eat pineapple to this day because oh, no. I just ate so much. Um, yeah. Raspberry leaf tea. Uh yeah, I, I was trying really hard because I just didn't want to be induced again. I just wanted this baby to yeah. come on their own. I did a couple of stretch and sweeps when I started getting real desperate. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did almost everything <laughs> I could. <laughs> yeah, awesome, cool. And do you want to take us through this labour starting? Was it spontaneous and how far along were you and then into your birth story? Yeah, um, 
it was spontaneous. I was 39 weeks. Uh, my midwife was flying into the country. Um, <laughs> and I texted the backup midwife and said I woke up and had done all the things to try and get baby to move in. She just wasn't moving. She... Um, yeah, she just wasn't she just wasn't giving in. So I texted the backup midwife and she was like, I'll let maternity know you're coming to get monitored, but I'm in Rotorua with another birth. Um, so I won't see you there, but a midwife will give you a check over. Um, so once I got there, she was fine. Um, she still wasn't moving very much, but they were happy to send me away after a couple of hours. And I went home and just had the biggest sulk because I, I seemed <laughs> to think that I'd walk into maternity and leave with my baby that day. I don't know why. I just, I was, I was just so over being pregnant mm. and just had so much pressure on myself to have this baby naturally. Um, so I went home, had a sulk and then sat for hours and <laughs> used the haka and put my hands down my top and was doing nipple stimulation for hours while watching Love Island. <laughs> I was like, you're coming out today, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not giving you an option. Um, and it worked. I, I think I started having regular contractions at around 11. Um, and I was timing them on my phone and Tremaine was looking over. He's like, what are you doing? Is it happening? And I was like, no, 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 no. We're just going to chill. <laughs> We're just going to see what happens. And by one o'clock, um, I was like, okay, we need to go take our son to my dad's. Like, this is where we'll go. Um, so I got to my dad's and dropped my son there and called the backup midwife because my midwife hadn't quite got into the country yet. Um, and she said, I'll give you this other midwife's number. She's like a mate of ours because um, I'm still in Rotorua, so I can't come see you. Um, so I called the other midwife and was talking to her about what was going on, and I was still talking through my contractions. So she's like, go home, just chill out for a little bit longer. And at that point, my midwife got into the country, and she called me, and she went, I'm getting on a plane. I'm flying to Topol. I'll be there at 6. I'll call you at 6. Stay home till 6, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll see you at six and I'll we'll see how you're going um I went back home at four o'clock and just kept laboring over the like a swiss ball I just sat on my knees and um did that and at 4 30 I was just like no no we are not waiting till six o'clock um got in the car didn't call any midwife so I was just like no one's gonna help me I'm just gonna go and <laughs> they're just gonna have to deal with me at maternity um so we rocked up. That car ride was the worst car ride I've had in my life. Yeah. Um, and we rocked up and walked in. And the usual system is that your midwife would call maternity and say, my lady's in labour. She's coming in. So usually they get a little bit of prep time. Um, mm -hmm. But I just walked in, full-blown labour. I was like, I'm having a baby. Um, and the poor lady there just just got such a shock. Um mm. But she was awesome, and she filled the birth pool up. Um, I went to the toilet again because that seems to be what my body does is mm -hmm. when I'm about to have my baby, I need to use the toilet. Um, and I remember she put a towel under the toilet seat, um, and I went, I'm not pooing in a towel. You need to move the towel. I'm not <laughs> pooing in a towel. And she said, well, you're not having a baby in the toilet. So she had put the towel under there to catch my baby. Um just in case I pushed a baby out on the toilet. Um, hmm. So I did what I needed to do and 
ended up in the pool. Um, so we got to the maternity at quarter to five and baby was born at quarter past five. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I just got in the pool and pushed a couple times and she was here. Um, and the midwife was just like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We didn't need anyone else anyway. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. It was great. I It was yeah. exactly what I wanted. Um, it did. I was probably in a little bit of shock once she was born because it all just happened so quickly. Mm. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. You don't really, couldn't really ask for anything more, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And like quite different from your first birth, right? Because you had quite a bit of monitoring and like mm. internal exams and stuff like that. And this time, I guess you just went with your body and how you were feeling. Mm. Yeah. I had no internal exams. I remember being in the pool and saying, I feel the need to push and the midwife saying, sweet, go for it. And I said to her, I said, don't you need to check me? Um, because of my experience the first time around of needing the permission. Um, mm. So I went looking for that again and she went, no, no, you're sweet. Yeah. You go for it. Um, so that was, a, that was kind of like those little things that made me think that like all the um, internals in my first birth weren't quite necessary. Um, it was just so empowering. She just left me to it. She, um, my husband went behind me and caught her um, and the midwife just, just stood back. She was just like, you just, you just do it. You got this. Um, <laughs> and my mum took some photos. I had organised a birth photographer, but she didn't get there in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my mum took some photos and it was just, I didn't, I just wasn't aware of what was going on around me. My body just did it. And I was just very, I remember I didn't do any hypnobirthing courses or anything, but especially in those last contractions, I would go, I would take a deep breath and then count one and then another one and count two. And I knew that when I got to seven, it was going to get really, really painful. And then when I got to 11, it was going to die down again. And I just mm. knew I had to get through seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 11, and then I'd yeah. be okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know, cause I know you do your hypnobirthing course and I don't know if that's similar, um, focusing on the breathing and just yeah. riding the wave, but that, that yeah. definitely really helped with those last con couple of contractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And so what sort of happened from there? Did you have to get out of the pool and did you need any stitches this time around? Yeah, I um, I just, I had her and her cord was quite short. Um, so I had to have her quite low on my tummy. Uh, yeah. um, the midwife, I tried to have her right up on my chest and the midwife was like, no, no, you need to bring her down. Um, and I just, they wanted to get me out of the pool. I know I wanted to get out of the pool quite quickly. And I just remember being so shaky because obviously like the cord was still inside me at this point. Um, and I had just had a baby and was holding this tiny human. And then I had to try and manage these steps out of a pool. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure Tremaine and my mum were carrying the load really. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, went onto the bed I kept her with me. Um, I didn't need any stitches. She said she could see a little like tear, like a tiny, tiny one that was maybe just a reopening from my first birth. And she was like, I'm just going to leave it and it will do what it needs to do. Um, so I was quite grateful for that. Um, yeah. So I just, I just had her and the, 
backup backup midwife that I had called um, that had told me to go home. Um, she rushed in 15 minutes later and was like, I'm here, I'm here. Um, but she's actually a lactation consultant, so it was quite helpful because she like checked her mouth for tongue and lip ties and helped me with that first latch. So nice. she was a good person to have there. Um, yeah, and then I had a shower and oh, this was the best part is we took a whole heap of ural sachets this time because <laughs> my first wee and my first birth was horrific. Yeah. So as soon as baby was born this time, mum made me scull three glasses of ural. <laughs> um, and I had a shower and went to the toilet and it was just so much better. <laughs> it was no pain. Yeah. Um, so when my friends have had babies, I'm like, pack ural and just yeah. scull it straight away. <laughs> um, yeah, and we stayed at the birth centre there for two nights and it was it was lovely yeah yeah awesome yeah. very cool and how did you find um going home from the birth center this time was it quite different to the first time around and um what did your first baby think of, of having a, a little sibling and how did that go do you want to take us through going home and all of those yeah. different um things that you have to sort of overcome yeah um uh, because my son was three and a half um, when baby was born, he was very aware of um, what was going on. And I've got this adorable video of when he first met her. Um, and he came in and he went, the baby's come out of your tummy? And I went, mm -hmm. yes. And then he looked at her and he went, hi, baby. And oh, my, that just makes me want to cry <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. He's always just been so awesome with her um I think like there were those times where he obviously had to have like the attention was now divided um so there were a couple of behavioral things but you know it's just um you have to expect that when you yeah. when they have such a big change to their home um yeah but this time around was it was so different because we were now living in Taupo so all my family is here um my husband wasn't working, uh, so he was here with us. He actually had a really bad neck injury, uh, spinal injury, so he was actually oh, no. off work for months. <laughs> so we got to spend lots of time together as a family of four, um, which was really nice. Like I got to a point where I was like, get out of my space, you need to go back to work. <laughs> um, but yeah. it was also really cool for him to be able to have all that time with the brand new baby because a lot of dads don't get to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I felt a lot more supported and mum came and took my son away for a couple of hours every couple of days so that he was still getting out and about. Um, I think I I definitely pushed myself a bit too much. I kind of wanted yeah. to prove myself as super mum and the day we got home from the birth centre, I wrapped baby up on me and we went to a church light party Um and I just, I didn't need to do any of that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Like still going out to things that I probably didn't need to go out to. I, um, yeah, if I was to do it again, I'd probably sit down a lot more and not feel the need to <laughs> prove myself as much. Um, yeah. So that, that probably, I just remember the days that I pushed myself, I would just crash. Um, mm -hmm. My body would be so sore and I would just cry. Um, yeah 
So I needed to just chill out a little bit because yeah. when you've got a baby, you really have nothing to prove. Um, and I think someone told me, they were like, you've got a plate-sized wound in your guts. Like you need to chill <laughs> yeah. out a little bit because you, because you can't see it. You don't, I don't think, like I didn't even realise that much healing had to mm-hmm. take place. Um, but when someone said that to me, I was just like, okay, all right. <laughs> I just didn't even realise that yeah. yeah, you have to really look after yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And did you have the same oversupply this time around? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And my poor husband had to sleep with it like when I had my son it was just me waking up in drenched sheets mm. but <laughs> my Tremaine had to sleep next to it poor thing um I think it wasn't as bad this time around I but I was also so much busier running around after my son like I think when I had him because we were just sitting on the couch all day we were just cuddling and feeding and whenever he made a noise I would just feed him so I don't think I was helping my oversupply because I was just like feed, 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 um, even if he didn't need it. But this time around, she might have to wait <laughs> or yeah, be settled yeah. another way. Um, to, yes, I wasn't just cuddling and feeding her as much, which maybe yeah. had um, a bit of a difference. Uh, she, was a, she was a much harder baby than my son was too. Um, she had a dairy intolerance. So it took us a few weeks to work that out of, it was, I remember the night that everything switched and she went from this dreamy, sleepy newborn that they usually all come out of to this screaming, tiny thing. And she just cried all the time. Um, You could never put her down Mm. to lie anywhere. She would just scream and scream and scream and she wouldn't sleep. And it was just so much harder than, than with my son. Um, and someone said something about a dairy intolerance and I stopped eating dairy, which was so hard <laughs> because <laughs> it was coming up to Christmas. And obviously you've got all the cheese and the pavlova with the yeah. cream and the cheesecake and like all that really good food. <laughs> and I wasn't able to eat any of it. And no matter what people say, non-dairy alternatives are not as good. <laughs> as the proper stuff um so that Christmas is really really rough I um struggled mentally quite a lot um mm. with having such a hard work baby um like I didn't I didn't enjoy that time with her those first few weeks but when I look back at those first few weeks with my son I have really fond memories and I feel quite guilty that when I look back on my daughter's first couple of weeks um I just feel really sad that I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy um, that time because she was just such hard work. Um, yeah. yeah, but once we got the dairy, because it takes a little while for the dairy to completely leave your system. So once we got that sorted and I stopped slipping up, um, she slowly got better. Um, yeah. 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 So it's going from two, like one to two kids is really uh I really struggled but I don't think um little girls dairy intolerance help with that it's just Mm. such a juggling act and you feel so stretched between your two children um yeah yeah and you've got a really obviously a really demanding tiny baby but then 
like toddlers are equally as demanding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. And seeing them now, um, like she walks to him. She won't walk to anyone else, but she'll take a few steps to him and she just <laughs> launches herself at him and they cuddle all the time and they laugh all the yeah. time and like now that we're a year on it's it's just so worth it it's that's why you have another yeah. baby because yeah seeing them together is just the best yeah yeah very cute and did you have anything else that you wanted to share about either of your stories or um yeah anything before we close up the episode um I guess just to be open to different experiences like I just feel mine is such polar opposites and mm. um because I was so young and I had the unexpected on contraception baby and I did a lot <laughs> yeah. of that alone um and had the very medicalized birth and then on the other side I had a very planned um in a like in a healthy marriage and relationship and we I was studying and we had kind of like built this little life um I was so lost at 18 having a tiny mm. baby like I was a child having a child um but just because that's the first part of my story doesn't mean like that the next part of my story couldn't have been like it was so much more beautiful um mm. yeah I I guess just to be open to like I just had to be open to things being different and changing and learning yeah as life went on I had no idea as a 19 year old with my baby as a single teen mum that I would end up married and uh, with a degree and having more children, you know. Um, I just didn't think that was going to be my life. I'm just so grateful that it is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I've really loved hearing, um, I guess, the different parts of your story and also super interesting um, about the egg donation as well. So thank you so much for sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. Like I said, I really love chatting with Caitlin, so I think it's a great episode. I would love to hear your feedback. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then feel free to leave me a review and a star rating. I'd be super appreciative. Otherwise, send me a message on Instagram, comment on the post uh, with this week's episode, and let me know what you think. Another huge thank you to Woman Magazine for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. And for 40% off any print subscription, head to womanmagazine.co.nz forward slash subscribe and enter the code KiwiBirthTales in capital letters to redeem. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.